0: Well, this morning we are excited. How many of you are thankful? We just wrapped up last week. We wrapped up our 40 days of community. How many of you can actually say, man, God did something special in my life during those 40 days of community? Raise your hand. Let me hear from you out there. That's awesome. So we're excited about what God has done. And here's, here's our walkaway theme from that last week. We had six weeks, 40 days of just a focus impact to create community, to connect together, to reach out together, to touch the world together through the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we said last week, our final closing thought was simply this. The power of that 40 days of community was not wrapped up in what God has done. The power of that 40 days of community was wrapped up in what God started in us. God started something during those 40 days. God started a new level of community, a new level of connection. God started new relationships and new friendships. God started new outreaches and new opportunities to care and love for one another. So let me just encourage us, as I said last Sunday, don't stop, right? Don't stop feeding the fire. Don't stop building those relationships. Don't stop reaching out together and loving God together and touching our community together because that's what the gospel of Jesus Christ is all about. Can I get an amen from somebody? Well, we're glad that you're here. So today we're going to begin a brand new series entitled God's Will. I don't know if you've ever wondered about God's will for your life. It's one of those questions that most Christians really struggle with in one way, one form, or one fashion. And so, what I'm excited about today is that today and next Sunday, we're going to really, I hopefully believe, bring some clarity to God's will for our lives. We're going to really not only discover some things, but I think we're going to begin to do some things that's going to be transformational in our lives, helping us to not just know the will of God, but to do God's will on a daily basis. And so let's look together. I'm excited. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16 through 18. Listen to what the Apostle Paul says under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. He says, Always be joyful. Never stop praying and be thankful in all circumstances for this is God's will for you. For this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Anybody belong to Jesus in here today, come on somebody. Aren't you glad you've been born again? Aren't you glad you've been adopted into the family of God? Aren't you glad you're not an outsider? You're not an orphan? You've not been abandoned, but you've been adopted and accepted and loved by God. And so listen to what Paul says. Paul says, always be joyful. Never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances. Y'all read it with me. For this is God's will for who? For you, for me. This is God's will for you. This is God's will for those who believe and belong to Jesus Christ. So let's look at that first point together. If you're a note taker, you can follow along. You can look at our app. You can go to YouVersion. You can look on your outline that you got when you came in today. So look at that first point. God's will for our lives is unique, specific, and universal. universal. God's will for our life is unique, specific, and universal. God has a unique and specific will for our individual lives, but He also has a universal will for all who believe. God's will for our lives is unique and special, but it's also universal, right? God has a specific will and purpose and plan for your life, but He also has a universal will for the lives of all believers. Look with me in Colossians 1. The Bible says this, verse 15. It says, Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, speaking of Jesus, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see such as thrones and kingdoms and rulers and authorities in the unseen world. And look at that last phrase. And everything was created through Him and for Him. Everything was created through God and for God. You were made by God and you were made for God. You were created in the image and likeness of God and you were made by Him and you were made for Him. What does that mean? It means that there is a unique specific purpose for your life. You were made by God and you were made for God. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. Everything about you is uniquely fashioned by the hand of God. Not just your natural birth and your natural DNA, but the experiences and the challenges and the processes that you have went through in your entire life have brought you to this moment right now where you're at, and you have been uniquely shaped and formed and fashioned by God for His will. You were made by Him, and you were made for Him. God really does have a purpose for your life. God really does have a unique and strategic plan for you to live your life for His glory. Now, let me give you some good news today. God is not hiding His will. God desires you to know the will of God, for you to walk in the will of God, and for you to live God's will for your life. And we're going to see really how that kind of unpackages in our lives. Look at that next point. So the universal will of God unlocks the unique and specific will of God. The more we walk in His universal will, the more we experience His individual will for our lives. Here's what's powerful about understanding that God has this universal will. God has a will and a plan for all believers, right? We read it together in 1 Thessalonians. Always be joyful, never stop praying, and be thankful in every circumstance, for this is the will of God for all believers in Jesus Christ. So God's universal will, hear me today, unlocks God's specific will for your life. Let me flip the coin and say it like this. The reason many Christians don't know God's will specifically for their life is because they're not living God's universal will for all believers. See, until you begin to live the life God has called us all to live, it becomes difficult for you to understand the life God has called you specifically to live. I began to think about my life. I, I was saved when I was 15 years old, and from 15 to 19, I, I was saved, and pretty much that was it. I was saved. I was glad I wasn't going to hell. I knew Jesus was the Lord of my life. But for four years, I went to church, and I lived a moral life, and that was about the jest of my Christianity. But at age 19, at age 19, I opened the Bible, and here was my prayer. God, I want to know you. God, I want to know you, and God, I want to serve you. And for the first time in my life at 19 years old, I began to seek God. I wanted to know Him, and I wanted to know His will for my life. And what happened in that moment is God began to reveal to me His universal will. God began to show me His will for all believers. And as I began to embrace that, as I began to pursue that, as I began to walk in God's will for all believers, out of that journey of faith, God began to reveal His specific will. In my life. And I began to discover what he had intended me to do individually and uniquely. Because I was willing to pursue what he had called us all to do universally. And here's what's powerful. What's powerful is that when Paul defines the will of God. When Paul gives some clarity to God's will. He he removes the mystery. Because sometimes I talk to Christians. I'll be honest with you. I've never really met a born again believer with a heart for God. That didn't want to know and do the will of God. I mean, that's kind of at the heart of Christianity. When you get born again, God puts this new nature in you that desires to do God's will. But what I have found out as a pastor now for over 30 years is that most Christians really don't know the will of God. And they struggle in discerning what God's will is for their lives. And this is what I've recognized in my life, and I believe maybe you can recognize in your life. It is until we first embrace His universal will And still we start to do the things God has called us to do as a believer in Jesus Christ. It's in that process of doing His universal will that God begins to unpackage His specific will. Because what I found out, most people don't discover their calling and then begin to serve God. Most people begin to serve God, and while they're serving God, and loving God, and loving people, and ministering to people, and being the hands and feet of Jesus, and just saying, hey God, put me wherever you want to put me. I'll do whatever you want me to do. I need to clean the toilets. I need to take out the garbage. I need to work with the kids. I need to sing on the praise team. I need to stack the chairs. Lord, I'll just do whatever you want me to do. That's where most people find their calling. That's where most people find the unique, specific will of God. They're not just sitting on the outside waiting for God's will to become clear. They jump into the universal will of God, and as they begin to do what God has called all believers to do, they begin to discover the specific thing that God wants them to do. And I will not even dare to say over the last 40 days of our 40 days of community that many of you have actually had some light bulb moments. Many of you have had some moments as we're gathering together and we're growing together and we're reaching out together and we're serving together. Some of you walked away from this 40 days of community with an insight and an understanding of maybe this is really where God wants me to serve. Maybe this is really what God wants me to do. Maybe this is a place I can really put my hands to. And I can see myself giving my life to making a difference in this area. Because when you do the universal will, you begin to discover God's unique and specific will for your life. And how powerful is that? And how glorious is the fact that God is not hiding from us, but God is inviting us to know His will individually when we begin to do His will universally for what He's revealed for us as the church. So, look at that next point. So, God's will for our lives is not a place, it's a decision. More specific, according to the Apostle Paul in the scripture we read this morning, it's three decisions, right? Be joyful, never stop praying, and be thankful in every circumstance of your life. So what do I mean by God's will for our lives is not a place? Well, what I mean by that is a lot of times when you talk to people, and I'm guilty of this, I'll even use this wordage, we'll ask questions like this, are you in the will of God? Are you in the will of God, right? We all want to be in God's will. And when you use that wordage and that verbiage, all of a sudden it sounds like God's will is this place that I kind of move into, right? And I make one decision, and out of that one decision, now I'm in the will of God, and I'm just going to live here the rest of my life. How many of you understand God's will is not a place? It is a daily decision. It's a daily decision. I don't make one decision and step into the will of God. I make daily decisions to step into God's will, to do the things that God has purposed and planned, first of all, for all believers. Because when you step out the parameter of God's universal will, and you live on the outside of God's universal will, it is almost impossible to discover God's specific will for your life but in the parameter of his universal will we begin to find everything that we need to live the life god has called us to live and in that in that willingness to make those daily decisions we have a discovery of faith where God begins to highlight things and emphasize things and show you things and, and burn things in your heart. Isn't it amazing how, how a room full of people can hear, can hear Rachel share what she shared about room at the end? Some people were not moved. Other people were greatly moved. How is that? How is it that we can hear the same sermon, we can sing the same songs, and some people will be stirred and they'll walk out of church and say, man, that was the greatest Sunday I've ever been in my life. And other people walk out and say, well, I'm not right, I didn't get much today. Man, because we're all unique and we're different. And God speaks uniquely and specifically. And, and all of a sudden we recognize the more I live in that universal will, the more God reveals that specific will. And things begin to burn in me and things begin to speak to me and things begin to ignite my heart and my passion. And I'm no longer content just to show up and go to church. Now I've got to be the church. Come on, somebody. Because I want to do the will of God. So God's will is not a place. God's will is a decision. Three specific ones. So let's look at that first one today. We're going to dive into that first element of what Paul defines as the will of God for all believers. Look at that next point. So God's will for our lives is joy. God's will for our lives is joy. God's will is that we choose joy on a daily basis. Literally, we rejoice by choice. God's will for your life, God's will for my life, is joy. Always be joyful. Look at that scripture again, 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 and 18. Always be joyful, for this is God's will for you. This is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Always be joyful. God's will for your life and my life is joy. Now, let me just pause for a second, and I want to say this, and I want to clarify it really clearly this way. I hope you hear me. This does not mean we don't grieve. This does not mean that we don't have to work through grief. It does not mean that we don't have moments of sorrow and moments of pain. It does not mean those things. Understand this. If you're dealing with loss or you're dealing with grief or you buried a loved one, you've got to feel the grief. You've got to work through the grief. You've got to process through those things. If you've been through a dramatic, a dramatic, uh, a negative experience in your life, hey, it hurts, right? When marriages fall apart, when you lose your job, when you're suffering financial setback, when you can't pay the bills and, and you got a diagnosis from the doctor that's negative and not good, man, It's okay to grieve. It's okay to feel the sorrow and feel the pain. We just don't stay there. And what Paul is saying is that the default mode of our life should be joy. The default mode of our life should be joy. Why? Because joy is the will of God for our lives. In Philippians chapter 4, listen to what the apostle Paul says. He says, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, rejoice. Now, what you may or may not know is the Apostle Paul did not write these words on a penthouse palace. He wrote these words in prison, shackled and chained. He was bound. He was suffering for the gospel of Jesus Christ. He had no liberties. He had no freedoms other than the liberty and freedom that he had in Christ and the pen and the prayers as he could express the messages of God. And Paul in prison says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Why? Because Paul knew God's will is joy. And we have to learn how to rejoice by choice. We have to learn how to rejoice by choice. Why? Because greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Because no weapon formed against you will prosper. And every tongue that rises against you in judgment, you will condemn. Because this is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. And their righteousness, God says, comes from me. We rejoice by choice because all things work together for the good of those who love God. And are called according to His purpose. We rejoice by choice. All things are not good. But we have a choice. And let me just say to you today, joy is a choice just like sorrow is. Just like anger is. Just like resentment is. Just like bitterness is. Just like unforgiveness is. Joy is a choice. And the Apostle Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, says, Hey, guys, I want you to understand, this is the will of God for all believers. Always, be joyful. Rejoice by choice because there's power in your praise. There's power in your joy. There's power in the fact that when we rejoice by choice, we break the back of the oppressor and we step into the very perfect will of God for our lives. And how powerful, how powerful. That really is. Look with me in Galatians 5, verse 22. Look what the Bible says. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, and peace. The fruit of the Spirit, think about that. The fruit of the Spirit, What? the fruit of our obedience to the leadership of the Holy Spirit is joy. The fruit of our obedience to the leadership of the Holy Spirit is joy. And here's what I've recognized, and you've probably seen this too. If I will choose joy by faith, it will release the joy of the Holy Spirit in my life. If I choose joy by faith, it will release the joy of the Holy Spirit in my life. Sometimes we want the joy of the Spirit, but we're not willing to make the choice by faith to rejoice in Christ. But it's my obedience to the prompting of the Holy Spirit and the leadership of God's Word that produces the fruit of the Spirit in my life. Now let me tell you why understanding that joy is God's will for you is important. Let me tell you why this is important. Because every now and then I'll meet somebody... And they'll say something to me like this. They'll say, Pastor Keith, you know, I'm just afraid that if I ever just really surrender my life to Christ, I'm going to be miserable. (laughs) If I ever just really surrender my life to Christ, you know, God's going to make me go places I don't want to go. He's going to make me do things I don't want to do. He's going to make me serve in places I don't want to serve. He's going to make me love people I don't want to love. And if I I really just surrender my life to the Lord, I'm afraid I'm never going to have fun again. I've had people tell me that out of sincere hearts. And that is a lie from the pit of hell. Because the devil knows exactly the opposite is true. The devil knows that on the other side of your submission and surrender to God, there is joy unspeakable and full of glory. There is joy that abounds and joy that flows and joy that comes into your heart and into your life because you are willing to surrender and submit your life to the leadership of God in obedience to his word. Let me just tell you, the most joyful, happy people I know are the people that are living their lives in full surrender to Jesus Christ. The people that are sitting on the fence, the people that are holding back because of fear, because they don't want to lose their joy by really serving God, those are the people that are miserable. Those are the people that never know the fullness of joy. Those are the people that live their Christian life and they kind of live with this half-full kind of Christianity because they never know the joy of what it means to just say yes to God. And give him our lives. And say, Lord, my life is your life. And I want to say yes to you. And so I want you to hear me today. If you've you've been reserved, if the devil's whispered that lie in your mind that if you ever surrender the Lord, you'll you'll never enjoy your life again. He is a liar because the will of God for your life is joy. It's joy. Now look at this next thought. I want you to see this. Let's drive that down just a little bit deeper. So God's will is that we enjoy our lives and choose joy every day of our lives. In Proverbs 17, verse 22, the Bible says this, A joyful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. A joyful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. God's will is that we enjoy our lives. Why? Because joy, listen to this, according to Scripture, joy is medicine for your spirit, soul, and body. Joy is medicine. It nourishes you. It strengthens you. It revives you. It restores you. Joy is good medicine for your soul. And we know that's true. Think about this. Think about when you're having a bad day. And we all have those goofy friends. You know what I'm talking about? Those goofy friends that always make you laugh. Amen. There you go, James. <laughs> and so you're having one of those bad days, and all of a sudden you get around that goofy friend, and before you know it, you're laughing. And you know what happens? You feel better. You feel better. Automatically, you just feel better. You start laughing, your problems hadn't changed, your problems hadn't went away. But because of joy, joy is good like a medicine. All of a sudden it begins to revive you. It begins to refresh you. It begins to renew you. It begins to nourish your soul. And before you know it, man, you're laughing, you're having fun, you've forgot a little bit about all the problems and trials that are around you, and you're enjoying the moment and you're enjoying your life. And so when God says, my will for you is joy, God is trying to prescribe spiritual medicine to keep us built up and encouraged, to fill us with the joy of the Lord that is our strength, and to empower us to live the life He's called us to live. And how powerful, how powerful that is. So let me ask you a question this morning. Are you enjoying your life? Are you enjoying your life? Now, let me tell you the question I didn't ask you. I didn't say, is your life enjoyable? Because I know the answer to that question. Is your life enjoyable? The answer to that question is sometimes. (laughs) Sometimes. Sometimes it's enjoyable, but most of the time it may not be. Life is full of challenges. Life is full of difficulty. Life is full of problems. Other people's decisions and choices impact our lives. And you may be working a job that you don't enjoy, but you're working a job because you're going to feed your family. You may be in the midst of some problems in your marriages right now, and you may not enjoy your marriage, but you're still fighting for it. You might be experiencing some financial setback and you're struggling just to pay the bills. And and now it's Thanksgiving and Christmas is coming and you can see the train coming. And you're like, oh my gosh, what are we going to do? And you're not enjoying your life. and, And you realize that life is not always filled with enjoyable things. But here's the question. The question is not, is your life enjoyable? The question is, are you enjoying your life? Are you enjoying the moment that you're in right now? Are you enjoying the people that's in your life right now? Because this is what I've recognized. When when it seems like everything in your world has gone wrong, if you'll pause, if you'll pray, if you'll step back, you'll realize that when everything seemingly has gone wrong, there's still something that's going right. I mean, your whole family may have done lost their minds and went crazy. But if you'll pause and pray and step back, you'll find out there might still be one sane person left standing. Maybe it's the person looking at you in the mirror. I'm not sure. But all of a sudden we recognize, we recognize God, God is not saying that everything about your life is enjoyable. God is just saying, "My will." is that you learn how to enjoy your life even when life isn't enjoyable. Because joy is power. Joy is medicine. Joy is strength. Joy is grace. Joy is God's will for your life. In John chapter 16, verse 33, Jesus said this. He said, These things I have spoken to you that you may That in me you may have peace. In this world you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer. That sounds like joy. But be of good cheer for I have overcome the world. In this world you will have tribulation. How many know that's not the Bible verse we put on the refrigerator? (laughs) Nobody's got that verse tattooed on the front of their their dash in their car. In this world you're going to have tribulation. But we all know it's true. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. Rejoice anyway. Why? Because I have overcome the world. And if you're in Christ, then you're seated with him in heavenly places. And if you're in Christ, you have the mind of Christ. And if you're in Christ, you have the favor of God. And if you're in Christ, you have the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And all of a sudden, God speaks to us, and he says, this is my will. Always be joyful, for this is my will for your life. And I'm going to tell you, I'm just going to tell you from experience, and you guys know this, right? If you're going to enjoy your life, even when life isn't enjoyable, you're going to have to be intentional. You're going to have to be prayerful. And you're going to have to walk in faith. But all of those things are doable things. Because the greater one lives in us. Amen? Not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. We sung about that this morning. Not by our might, not by our power. This is not our willpower. This is God's spiritual supernatural power working in our lives. Us surrendering our will to his will to choose joy. And what a wonderful thing it is. Let me make one more statement. We're going to move on to our next point. As I was praying about this this week, the Lord said this to me. He said, Keith, do you realize that, that unhappy, miserable Christians are the worst kinds of Christians? And, and they're not the worst kinds of Christians because they're bad people. But unhappy, miserable Christians are the worst kinds of Christians because unhappy, miserable Christians actually drive people away from God instead of attract and draw people to God. How many know that joy is contagious? Joy is contagious. There's something attractive about joy. We know Jesus walked with joy because children love to be around him. How many know kids don't like an old grouch? Right? You're grumbling, griping, misery all the time. Kids are running from you. They're not flocking to you. But you know what they love? They love joy. There's something attractive about joy. There's something compelling about joy. And let me tell you what happens. When you walk in joy, when you enjoy your life, even when your life is not enjoyable, that joy becomes an open door of evangelism. Because the people you work with, the people you live with, the people you do life with, they know all hell's breaking loose and you still got a smile on your face. All hell's breaking loose and you're still singing praise songs to Jesus. All hell's breaking loose and you're still saying, Lord, I just want to praise you and I just want to thank you. And they don't know what's going on. They don't understand joy when life is not enjoyable. So all of a sudden, your joy becomes an open door of evangelism. They're like, man, what's wrong with you? And the answer is nothing's wrong with me, but everything's right about Jesus. Come on, somebody. And I've got joy because I've got Jesus. In this world we have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. I'm not a victim. I'm a victor. And I'm more than a conqueror because he loves me and he loves you. That's good news. Amen? Look at that last point on your outline. Joy is our wall of defense. Joy is medicine for our soul. Joy is an open door of evangelism, but joy is also our wall of defense against the enemy. A joyless believer becomes a defeated believer. If Satan can steal your joy, he can and he will destroy your life. In Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 10, many of us know this verse. Nehemiah says, Go your way, eat the fat, drink the sweet, and send portions to those for whom nothing is prepared, for this day is holy to the Lord. You know what I love about that little statement right there? This day is holy to the Lord. He says, Look what he says, eat the fat, sounds like Thanksgiving. Drink the sweet, sounds like Thanksgiving. Share your portions with those that don't have any, sounds like Thanksgiving. And this is what he says, because this day is holy. To the Lord. I'm glad that holy days aren't just days of prayer and fasting. I'm glad that holy days are also days of feasting and joy. God said, This is a holy day. This is a holy day. And then He gives them a command do not be sorrowful. Do not sorrow, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Now, to give you a little perspective on this verse, the children of Israel, Nehemiah is leading the charge, they're rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem, and they've rediscovered the Word of God. And the Levites, the priests, have just read Scripture to the entire, everybody. The Bible says young and old, everybody came. And they began to read and declare the Word of God. And they began to weep. They began to weep over their sin. They began to weep over the realization that God's Word, this treasure, had been missing out of their lives. Some of those individuals had never even heard God's Word written, read out loud. And here they were weeping over the conviction. They were weeping over the revelation. They were weeping over all that was happening. And Nehemiah says, hey guys, calm down just a minute. This is is a day of celebration. This is a glorious day. So don't be sorrowful for the joy of the Lord is your strength. The joy of the Lord is your strength. That word strength in the Hebrew does not mean strong as in muscles. It literally means the joy of the Lord is your safe place. It's your place of protection. It's your high tower. It's your wall of defense. The joy of the Lord is our wall of defense. And when we choose joy, you know what we do? We build this wall of defense. We raise up this wall that protects us against anxiety and depression and despair and discouragement and fear and hopelessness which plagues our world, by the way, if you haven't noticed. We live in an overwhelmed society where people battle daily depression, anxiety, worry, and fear. And God says, here's the solution. My will is joy. Because joy is not only medicine for your soul. Joy is not only an open door for evangelism, but joy is a wall of defense. It's my shield that I have given you to protect you and keep you from the attacks and the arrows of the enemy that want to tear you down. I've shared this story many times when Kelly was in the midst of her battle with depression. I was at work one day and I was on my way down to Birmingham and she had called me just before I left back before cell phones and all that stuff and she was having a bad day. She was she was overwhelmed battling suicidal thoughts and and she said, I need you to come home. And the Holy Spirit said, don't go home. And I said, baby, I can't come home. And I prayed with her on the phone. And I got in a truck. My boss had sent me to Birmingham to go pick up some supplies. And I'm driving down the road. And I mean, the devil's beating my brains out. He's telling me, every, every, every mile that I'm going, he's just telling me, when you get home, she's going to be dead. And it's going to be your fault. She told you she was struggling. She told you she needed help. She told you you needed to come home. And you didn't go home. And when she, you go home, you're going to find her. She's going to be dead. And it's going to be your fault. And I was about 30 minutes into that, about an hour and a half journey where I was going. And the Lord reminded me of a message I heard John Hagee preach. And John Hagee talked about being at the lowest moment of his life, living in somebody's garage, sleeping on a cot. And he said this, he said, and I was in that moment, the lowest moment of my life, and he said, I remember just getting off, getting off my cot, getting on my knees, and he said, I just lifted my hands. He said, God, I just want to praise you. And the Holy Spirit reminded me of that. So I'm driving down the road, and I'm in that little pickup truck, and I just raised my hand, and I said, Lord, I just want to praise you. And the presence of God filled that truck. The presence of God filled that truck that day. And nothing changed, but I knew everything changed. And I began to shout, and I began to praise, and I began to war in the Spirit, and I began to bind every scheme and strategy of the enemy, and I declared life over my wife and not death she will live and not die and declare the glory of God that's the power of praise if the devil can steal your joy he will steal everything from your life there's a great scripture in Deuteronomy let me read it to you we're going to close with this Deuteronomy 28 says this if you do not serve the Lord your God with joy and enthusiasm for the abundant benefits you have received then you will serve your enemies, whom the Lord will send against you. For you will be left hungry, thirsty, naked, and lacking in everything. God told the children of Israel if you don't serve me with joy, you'll serve your enemies in sorrow. Everybody serves somebody. And we get to decide how are we going to serve? Are we going to serve God with joy? Or are we going to serve our enemies in sorrow? Because everybody serves somebody. Joy is our strength. God was trying to tell the children of Israel what Nehemiah said. The joy of the Lord is your strength. If you'll serve me in joy, I'll raise a wall of defense. If you'll serve me in joy, I'll give you grace to get through. If you'll serve me in joy, it'll be medicine for your soul. If you'll serve me with joy, you'll find strength for every day. If you'll serve me with joy, I'll fan the fire that's within you. If you'll serve me with joy, I'll carry you through and I'll bring you out on the other side. If you'll serve me with joy, no weapon formed against you will prosper. If you'll serve me with joy... And so today, why don't we just stand to our feet this morning. I'm going to ask our prayer teams this morning from our four corners if they would just to come and stand at the front today. And we're going to go into our last song of worship this morning. And we want to just open the altar today. And maybe you're in the heat of the battle. And maybe this morning you just want to come and you say, you know what, I I want to just choose joy today. Maybe your life is not enjoyable right now. You can still enjoy your life. You can still choose joy in the midst of unenjoyable circumstances because God is with you and God is for you. And Jesus, Jesus is fighting for you today. So if you need prayer this morning in any way, form, or fashion, we want to open the altar up. And as we go into this last song, the altar's open. If you need prayer, you come. And we'd love to pray with you today. Why don't you reclaim your joy this morning? Why don't you reclaim the joy of the Lord in your life today? And why don't you tell the devil, not not today, devil. Not today. I'm going to raise the wall of defense, and I'm going to choose joy every day. As we worship him, the altar's open. You come. This morning, we've been talking about God's will for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And maybe you're here this morning and you realize, you know what, Pastor Keith? I don't belong to Christ. I've never been saved. I've never accepted Christ. I've never repented of my sins. Turn from my ways and turn to God. Let me tell you what God's will is for you this morning. The Bible says God is not willing that any should perish but that all should come to repentance. In other words, God's will is that every person repent of their sin and come to Jesus Christ. That's God's will for you. That's God's will for your life this morning. If you're on the outside looking in, God's will for you is that you would repent of your sins and trust Jesus this morning to be your Lord and Savior. And whether you're in this room or whether you're watching online, it doesn't matter because what matters is that the Holy Spirit is dealing with your heart and right now, you know that's you. You know right now, you you are not in Christ, but you want to be. And this is what the Bible says. The Bible very simply says this, that whoever believes in their heart and confesses with their mouth that Jesus is Lord will be saved. Salvation is a gift, not that we earn. It's a gift that we receive by faith in what Jesus has done for us. And if that's you this morning, you say, Pastor Keith, I want to accept Christ today. I'm willing to turn from my sin, and I want to turn to God this morning. I want to accept that gift, and I want to know Jesus as my Lord and Savior. If that's you, just slip your hand up right now. Just raise your hand. An act of faith that says today, that's me, Pastor Keith. I want to pray that prayer. I'm going to pray with you in just a minute. Just slip your hand up. Just a simple act of faith. Jesus said, if you deny me before men, I will deny you before my Father and his angels. But if you confess me before men, I will confess you. So just slip your hand up right now. If you're online, you can just hit that hand emoji. You can type in that chat box. I'm raising my hand. But Jesus is calling you. And if you raise your hand this morning, our ushers, they're going to come. They're going to slip a little packet in your hand. I'm about to pray with you, and I'm going to follow up with you personally. I want to help you take those next steps in what it means to follow Jesus. So if you raised your hand right now, let's just pray this prayer. Everybody in the room, let's say it together out loud. Dear Heavenly Father, I believe Jesus died on the cross for my sins. I repent of my sins. And I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart and my life. Be my Lord and Savior. I want to be born again. In Jesus' name, Amen. 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 Come on, you can give the Lord a hand clap of praise this morning. If you prayed that prayer this morning, welcome to the family. And if you got a packet this morning if you will on the front of that packet there's a little card if you'd fill that out give that one of our ushers this morning. I personally would love to follow up with you. We want to help you take those next steps in following the Lord. If you made that decision online there's a link there you can click. We'll follow up with you also. We want to help you journey with Jesus. Amen. Well God bless you today. Remember room at the end is available out here to the left. Our Thanksgiving Day outreach and Liberty, uh, Ladies of Liberty outreach is to the right. Stop by those booths. Get connected. Get involved. We love you. Have a great day in the Lord.